Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And All right, Sharon, one more time today. Here we go. Back in the studio here, and uh, I think we've got a great great podcast lined up here what do you think well of course i think we do i think you do because you're (laughs) one of the guests so uh isn't that something it is something so what time is it for our listeners it is time to wake up jeremy yes it is and today is a really wake up day i think it is and our topic today is empowering nurses in electoral politics that was a mouthful i did close enough to count no that was good enough right so and along with miss sharon pierce welcome sharon thank you we have miss kimberly gordon both yale mates together (laughs) today yellies Yellies. and you guys are doing some neat stuff around this why don't you talk about it for just a minute well kimberly and i have kind of a little bit of a history i ran for the House of Representatives in 2015 for the 2016 year, and Kimberly was my campaign manager. So we kind of were face friends, I say. Before that, we just knew each other obliquely. You said face, not fake. (laughs) Face. Face. Okay. All right. Just making sure. It's that Southern accent. (laughs) I understand, Jeremy. And after I decided that I was going to run for office, I had 10 days to set my campaign up, and I called Kimberly and said, would you be my campaign manager? And she said, why, of course I would. <laughs> and you've done this like multitudes of times, right? I mean, you've been campaign managers and... Negative. Not at all. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Oh, right okay. about them, but I've never participated in one. Uh, yes. All right. So I just got a message from um, Kimberly. You know, on the set, we always do crazy things. And she said, should I be able to hear? Because we've got these headsets on, and I had forgotten to turn the headset on for you. So I apologize, Kimberly. Yes, you should be able to hear. All right. So. I already can't see, so it would just go along with the sensory deprivation. All right. So. Guys, why is this topic so important? Oh, it is critically important that we get nurses involved in electoral politics because they don't understand the power that they have. 
However, they know all about health policy and public policy. They just don't realize it. They take care of patients every day at the bedside, and they are dealing with people who can't afford their medications, who can't get transportation to their medical appointments, who might have issues with housing. I always ask nurses to tell me about the first time that they've discharged their first homeless patient. We see all of these things and we get frustrated with them. Mm. We deal with education and all of these things that we know about, but we don't put them in the context of the fact that we can affect change by getting involved in electoral politics to influence and make public policy. Hmm. I think that's a pretty profound statement there. We'll get to it in a minute, but I'm assuming that there are groups that don't want to see nurses involved in politics, too, as the same thing that might have happened to you, Sharon, in your situation. But I know we'll get to that in just a minute. But So you say they're perfect candidates for running for office, and you kind of laid out some reasons why. How many nurses actually serve in office now? At the federal level, we have a whopping two and Two. they both mm-hmm. serve. Wow. Yes, and 16 physicians. And oh. if you count, they have a veterinarian and a dentist. So they say they have 18 physicians <laughs> serving in Congress. Well, why do you think this is? I think nurses don't even think about throwing their hat in the ring to become an elected official. But they have all the skills. Absolutely they do. Nurses are great listeners. They are great communicators. Yeah. They're great translators because they're constantly translating for patients the medical jargon into something that they can understand. So they're great translators. What are some other skills nurses have, Kimberly? They collaborate. We have Uh, to bring people together from all over the hospital. Or for example, Mm -hmm. something changes at midnight in your patient and you know that you need to get them to a CT scanner and you're fighting with the emergency room to get them in there. We're negotiating, we're collaborating, we are assertive without being aggressive to get Mm -hmm. things done, and we do a lot of on-the-fly problem solving. And conflict management. Definitely. I mean, is this not everything that that is involved in politics, especially conflict management? (laughs) And nurses do that every single day day you're having conflict with the physician or with other family members i mean there's something always yes yeah because you got to learn how to deal with them as well Mm -hmm. at a definite time that they're relying on you and they're probably more emotional and you're able to kind of guide them through that path and that's that's all the great skill set that you need absolutely and nurses already have all the skill sets that can be in politics. They just don't know that they have them all. So I know we have a great nurse here in North Carolina. Yes, Gail Adcock. Gail Adcock. And and Gail has kind of rose to prominence. And talk about her for just a minute and what she's done and what she's been through. Well, we have three nurses in our state legislature. We have Carla Cunningham from Charlotte. We have Donna White from Kinston from Johnston County. And then we have Gail Adcock. The reason that Gail is such a huge influence on nurse anesthetists is because Gail is the only advanced practice registered nurse in our state legislature. Uh, okay. So not only does she get nursing, she's a small business owner herself, and as a nurse practitioner, she is an advanced practice registered nurse. So she has been 
extremely influential in that she gets APRNs and she can mm-hmm. explain what nurses do, how they do it to her caucus, to her fellow legislators. And she has used all of the knowledge that she has gained as a nurse to influence the policy decisions that she makes in North Carolina. That's great. Now, you said on a national level, there are two nurses. Where are they located? One is Eddie Bernice Johnson. She is from Texas. And then Lauren Underwood is from uh, just south of Chicago. You're like Illinois. a wealth of knowledge. Oh, yes. So everybody can <laughs> she, see this. She has nothing in front of her and she is relying on She knows on this all of this. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's part of our project that we're working on at Yale. And um, Kimberly is doing a piece um, looking at barriers and facilitators for nurses to run for office. So maybe we want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get there, are either one of those nurses advanced practice? They are not. Neither one. So neither one. So, So at a national level, we have no representation of advanced practice nursing at all. I want to say we never have. Yes. I'm trying to go through the list of nurses, I don't the, think so. the small list of nurses who've served at the federal level, and to my knowledge, there's not been an APRN. Wow. At the peak, we only have ever had about 100 nurses serving in state legislatures. Wow. Only 24% of women have ever served in state legislatures. And, uh, you know, just by that since 90% of nurses are women. Yeah. It's kind of a double whammy wow, um, for us. Okay. And well, no CRNA. Oh, never. Yeah. No CRNA. Wow. You know, and it amazes me as smart and driven and as CRNAs are and politically savvy that a lot of CRNAs are that none have been able to do anything on the national level so far. Sounds to me like that's a barrier that needs to be broken, and that leads into part of our conversation about the project you guys are doing at Yale. Breaking down barriers. Breaking down barriers. Absolutely. Yes. Kimberly, you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. So Sharon and I have, I say that we're each working on our own doctorate of nursing practice (laughs) project, and then we're coming together on a third one, which is to create the campaign school for nurses. So I have my piece of the project is to find nurses who have run for office successfully and unsuccessfully to interview them at all levels, whether they ran for local, state, or a federal level office, and to interview them to find out what they found is helpful and what they found as not so helpful as nurses running for office. So what do they wish they would have known beforehand that they didn't, that they either learned or learned too late? And try to get that information together. And then meanwhile, Sharon is working on the second piece of this. Looking at all the campaign schools across the country, of which we have identified about 582 Hmm. campaign schools approximately uh, yes approximately (laughs) (laughs) and uh, looking at their process how they handled their school how it's funded how that it's sustained how long even the program is their curriculums um, just the whole host of things and then we'll extrapolate all of that and come up with what our campaign school will look like 
for nurses, the first one in the country. Wow, this is groundbreaking. Oh, well, yes, it is. It's pretty exciting. (laughs) It is pretty exciting. It's about to work us to death, but (laughs) hopefully this will be historical. And, you know, only 100 nurses have at the height, the most that have ever served, and there's a reason why there's not a pipeline, and we've got to create the pipeline. So we still probably will not see the fruit of our labors for maybe even a decade or so, kind of along the same line of the Courage to Lead series that we've been talking about. And every single one of those past presidents started something, and then 30 years later, they see the real fruits. Well, I would think that nursing associations, be it the ANA or the National Nurses Association, that they would want to get behind something like this once you get get this thing up and running. That's been the fun part of this. Mm -hmm. We have met nurses from all over the United States, and our wonderful advisor, Lisa Summers, was very involved at the national level with the American Nurses Association, Sherpa-ing through the Affordable Care Act. She worked there. So between her Rolodex and Sharon's Rolodex and my teeny tiny Rolodex, (laughs) we have talked with nursing leaders all across the nation. And the one thing that they all have in common is that they believe that this is important. It needs to be done. It should have been done a long time ago. And more often than not, they're like, I want to attend. I've thought about running for office, and I want to come. I want to learn. I want to finally do this. And we definitely want to empower nurses to see themselves as candidates. And that's going to be something that will be important. One thing that people probably don't realize is we are really late to this game. Physicians have been training and have had a campaign school since the 70s. They have trained over 1,500 people to run for office. The obstetricians have had a school, and they've trained over 350 people to run for office. So we are very late to the game. Physicians signed the Declaration of Independence. They served in the first Congresses that we had. Now, again, Women couldn't even it was vote. A different time. Back <laughs> well, yes. women couldn't even vote right. till what 1921. Yes. So we were kind of at right. a disadvantage, but it did still take 72 years after women got the vote for a nurse to serve in Congress. Sharon, you know, is this intimidating for your average nurse out there to even think about running for office? Because I, I think about your campaign, and obviously, I knew a lot about that. In your situation, you know, you. You're a leader, and you put yourself out there, and you can handle criticism better than most people can. And you know, you you kind of feel your way through everything you do. But you got a tremendous amount of pushback from a certain group, an opposition mm-hmm. group. Is that intimidating for a lot of people out there? And how can they deal with that? Actually, you bring up a very, very good point. Whenever we started talking about this, I love Gail Adcock, and she and I have had lots of conversations, and Kimberly also, and her original thoughts were that nurses should just go to any campaign school, that you need to be integrated with everybody else. But as we kind of made this into a scholarly process, and 
looking at the literature, there are a lot of occupation-specific schools. And the reason why those are very popular is it's less intimidating. Mm -hmm. You're with people that are like you and understand your talk. And people find that very valuable. Why do you think all these campaign schools for women have popped up? Obviously, there was a need to get more women into office because only 24% of all positions are held by women, but they felt better and more comfortable being with other women that would understand their part of life. So that's one reason why we wanted to be a campaign school for nurses so that they could come and be with people like them Mm -hmm. and learn how to be empowered in politics. And I suspect that we're going to find themes as we're talking to these nurses, Mm -hmm. and I I suspect that one of them, and it echoes what's out there in the women's literature, is that we don't like to ask for money, and that's a huge barrier, Mm -hmm. because whether you're running for the school board or you're running for president, it's going to take money, and it's going to be more than what you have in your, most of us have in our bank accounts. So I expect that that is going to come out as an issue. And the other thing we have trouble asking for is help. Mm -hmm. If I need a shift covered or if I need somebody to help me knock on doors on the weekend, we have a really hard time because nurses are caring for everybody else. We're not really asking for help for ourselves. Put yourself on the back burner. Exactly. So those are just two of the things that I suspect that we're going to find. And as a result, we're going to be able to tailor the school to help nurses get over their biggest hurdles right so this is kind of a trainable way to view things in a different light definitely well you know i didn't go to a campaign school and whenever we started this process obviously if we're going to set one up we need to go to one so kimberly (laughs) went to one school i went to another school just so that we could get a little bit of experience and boy was it eye-opening and i guess it's kind of we tried to run a marathon and we hadn't even run a 5k (laughs) but god bless us we were going to run hard (laughs) but if we would have had so much more information and understood a lot more things i think we could have had a better showing we still had a big uphill battle because of the opposition against us but i think we could have done a much better job. So in that vein, that's what we're hoping will come out of this campaign school. We are going to equip them. We're going to empower them. And when they leave, they are going to understand and see themselves as a candidate, which most nurses do not. And a candidate, not just, we're not asking anybody to throw their hat in the ring for governor. I mean, certainly, if you want to come and you're running for governor, by all means. But like Sharon talked about that pipeline, that pipeline involves city council, county commissioner, school board. I mean, nurses can start anywhere. A a lot of people talk about, you know, I wanted a stoplight or a stop sign at the end of my street because my kids were at risk. And so everybody feels that way about something right and so even if we can get them involved and running for school board maybe five years from now they're going to be in their state legislature and then maybe five or ten years from that they're going to be running for congress right so building that pipeline is so important and nurses have all of the skills and abilities to do that so take off take that first little bite and then we'll we'll work from there 
So hopefully 30 years from now, we'll have a nurse as president, <laughs> and we'll be able to be on somebody's podcast talking about, remember what do you mean somebody? Because it'll still be this podcast. What are you talking about, Sharon? <laughs> we'll still be around in 30 years, Sharon. Don't worry. Uh, well, you will be. You're a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> um, all right. So, so timeline for this. You know, What kind of timeline are we talking about? Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Not to put you on the spot here. So our program is a three-year program, but fortunately or unfortunately, we have a a little thing called a presidential election coming up in 2020. So we sat down and our advisors like, think you can do this by next summer? And (laughs) of course we can. Yes. Of course we can. Absolutely. (laughs) Will you be my campaign? Yeah. Absolutely. I'll I'll manage your Kimberly's used to saying yes. You know, and the other thing is, and Kimberly alluded to this before, everywhere we go, the acceptance is amazing. The dean at Yale of the nursing school, Ann Kurth, she was in, she was enthusiastic, and we have found nothing but acceptance and enthusiasm and assistance from Yale. It's been quite an experience for us. And our advisor, Lisa Summers, oh my God, well, that's the reason why I went to Yale. She interviewed me and I was just blown away. She's the first person I think that really got me. And just, she's amazing. And I don't know. Help me here. I can't find enough adjectives, Kimberly. (laughs) Well, she's so knowledgeable. And because she served where she served, not just with the American College of Nurse Midwives, but with the uh, American Nurses Association, she saw this from a broader Mm, lens. And that necessity in working in Congress herself and in regulatory agencies saw that there's a need and we can definitely do something about it. So we're doing something about it next summer. That's great. What was Sandy saying about the seat at the table? Oh, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. There you go. Definitely. So, uh, and it's time for nurses to be at the table. Yeah. And I love what Sharon says about this. She says not just to be have a seat at the table, but be the one pushing that button. Mm. You are the yeah. person. That's we good. need nurses. Sharon is I say something yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> but it's true. It's yeah. one thing to be on the outside advocating for policies and positions and speaking to legislators. It's an entirely different ball of wax to be on the floor of a general assembly pushing the button yes or no mm-hmm. about yeah whatever the policy is. That's true. Instead of doing the lobbying, I want to be lobbied. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like an aspiration. Sure. So, Only right. if Kimberly goes with me. I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> all right. Well, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Anything you guys want to conclude on? I think we have just about covered everything, but... As soon as we get the date nailed down, and we have got it down to two dates, um, we will certainly let everybody know because we need nurses to come to our school. And we do know applications will open on January 1st. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to hear what the data says, too, as you say, Kimberly, as you guys develop this out. Um, you know, what the barriers have been and what the positive points have been and kind of bringing this all together. It's exciting. Yes, and we want to learn how nurses can position themselves. I mean, 
we're the most trusted profession, and we have never taken that for a ride at the ballot box. Hmm. And my son came up with a, a little theme. Nurses can inject honesty back into politics. Whoa, Rocket Boy. I love it. Good job, Rocket Boy. We'll throw you a, a little prompt out there. So. All right. All right. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. And we want to thank you both for being here today. What an excellent interviewer you were, Jeremy. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure and hit that subscribe button for us. Leave us some feedback, but only positive. Mm -hmm. We want no negativity. So until next time. It's a wrap. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny.